Amen. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Yeah. Hey, can we just give God one more big shout of praise for what he did in worship? Was that awesome or what? My goodness gracious. He can do that all day long. That is for sure. I'll tell you one thing about us. We are just never going to get in the way of what God wants to do in a service. Last time I checked, it was his church. Went out the compliments. Some of you grabbed them. Some of you are like, Pastor, I, in church, I can't tell a lie. I have looked better. I know. I know. I feel you. <laughs> a big welcome to everyone watching online, if you will. Uh, please remember to hit that like button and that share button so we can reach as many people as we possibly can with this message. Guys, I'm so excited. Every week we get to come up here and we get to have church and see God move and see people get saved and a lot of times we lose sight of the fact that our media ministries are reaching people outside of our church every week. We are still reaching over 60 countries right now in the world with our live stream and our podcast. So praise God for that. It's awesome to see what the Lord is doing. If you're a guest here this morning, kick your shoes off and relax. You're home. You are family. And uh, we hope that the Lord's presence is blessing you already today. A lot of fun stuff coming up. It was a little bit cooler this morning. A little bit cooler this morning. Rachel said summer's over, but I know better because it's August. And summer breaks over for the kids, but summer is still, man, that heat, golly. Sometimes I wonder why God called me to the south and not Minnesota. Then I hear myself speak, and I know why God called me to the south. Because just y'all just doesn't work in Minnesota like it does down here. It just does not. And they don't understand sweet tea. They don't understand sweet tea there, man. It's just some of the fun is you get to travel. You go to these northern states and you order your food and you, they ask what you want to drink and you say sweet tea and they look at you like, huh? What? <laughs> we have tea and I can bring you some sugar to put in it, but it never mixes right, does it? Never mixes the same. Yeah, you got to do all that stuff. Man, listen. The South is serious about sweet tea. South is serious about grits, cornbread. We're just serious about food. Let's just be honest. All right? So food matters. I don't know why I'm rambling like this. I'm, but I'm excited to see all you guys. I'm excited that school is starting back and has already started back. Parents, are we excited about that? Yeah. Students, are we excited about that? I got a, had a couple of people that said yes. Or was that a parent saying yes for the students? You are happy. You are happy. School is starting and you know it. No, I'm not, Mom. It's just you are. You're going to smile and you're going to have a good day. That's just, y'all have that kind of mom? I had that kind of mom growing up. Look, don't let my mom fool you. I know you're probably watching mom, so I'm telling the truth on you. Well, my mom will get up in my business. You will be happy. I don't feel happy. Yes, you are happy. Okay, I'm happy. I'll just be fine. Man, she'd get on us on the, on the way to church. She, we, she'd get on us. And, uh, and then when we walked through the doors of the church, she magically changed. It's like that parent transformation, you know? Just like, boom, oh, I'm full of the Holy Spirit now. I was threatening to kill my kids like 30 seconds ago. But now I'm, I'm serious about what God wants to do. That's a mama thing right there. That's not just my mama. That'll, they'll set you straight, and then they'll go praise God. That's what they'll do. <laughs> Man, with, this, with the school year starting, though, um, 
I wanted to take a little bit of time today and just, and just focus on some really good principles that will help us going into the, the school year. So if you're a student in here this morning, uh, pay attention, man. Don't get lost on your phone or talking next to you. I know ADD runs deep in some people, so refocus at times and, and lean in to uh, what's being said today because I'm telling you, probably going to feel like some of this doesn't land on you and is for you, but I'm telling you it is for you. One of the biggest problems with being young, and this is not a slam on you and I'm not throwing shade, is that you don't know what you don't know yet. Can I get an amen from people that have lived a little bit of life? You just, you don't know what you don't know yet. So what I want to do is give you some of that info that you're going to need to be successful, not just in the school year, but in years to come. These are really good principles, not just for going back to school, because it's a new season. It's a new season. Um, starting new grades, maybe moving to a new school, it's a new season. But I know this too, for, for the parents, it's a new season too. Because it brings a new set of challenges for you as a parent with your children. They're going to be facing new things and you're going to have to help lead and navigate and guide them through those things and give them wisdom and help them not to stumble and fall but to keep moving forward one step at a time. It's a new season for all of us, amen? And, and really... What I want to do is not just speak to those two groups of people, though it is where I'm going. Just in general, we all are in different seasons of life. And this is what I know. Every season is there to lead into the next season. And sooner or later, you're going to find yourself walking into a new season that's uncomfortable and unfamiliar. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing about new, and that's a bad thing about new, because new is unknown. New is uncertain. You know, there's an element of faith in stepping out into a new season and trusting the Lord to be there when your foot hits the ground on that first step that you're taking. And so we're all kind of, in, in one way or another, we're, we're all at a place where this word is going to benefit us tremendously. Um, go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to put the words up on the screen for you. Um, we have all the message notes available on the Bible app on version today, too, if you want to follow along there. But if you've got your tablets or your devices, um, me personally, I like to follow along myself when I'm listening to someone else preach. So um, follow along with us today. Because new brings unknown. And a lot of times the unknown brings uncertainty. Going into a, a, a new grade in school, maybe you're trying out for a team for the first time. You know, it's a new thing that you're getting into. Man, let's be honest with, with each other. It's a little scary, isn't it? There's a little bit of fear. You know, there's a reason why God said fear not like half a million times in the Bible. It's because when we step into these new seasons, sometimes because of it being unfamiliar and we don't have all the words that go in all the blanks and all the answers, um, it can be a little bit scary. And I want to encourage you and just say, hey, you know what? That's normal. That's normal. But staying scared isn't. Okay? Staying intimidated by something new isn't where you want to go. So Philippians 4 kind of helps us out with this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, that's just great. Everybody say, do not be anxious. All right. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Uh, new classes, new teachers, in a scenario where you don't know all the kids in your class. Um, parents, oh my gosh, uh, 
a, a new grade, going from middle school to high school, going from elementary up into middle school and all the challenges that are involved and all of that stuff. Listen, don't be anxious about all of this stuff. Uh, you may feel like you're ill-prepared and unequipped to handle all of this stuff. And the good news is that's okay if you are because the Word of God gives us great instruction and gives us a lot of the answers that we need walking into those seasons with, those, with our children. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation. I love that the Bible doesn't just give us commands. Okay, Jesus and, and, and God, he doesn't just say, hey, don't do this. No, he gives us some steps to explain why and how we can do some of this stuff. He says, but in every situation, so in everything that you face, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he says, don't be anxious, don't be scared, don't be worried, don't get stressed out about this stuff, whether it's a new season at school or a new job or a new relationship, whatever you're walking into, don't stress out about this stuff. Take it to prayer. Spend time in the presence of God. If you're freaking out a little bit about some stuff, that's a good indicator to get into the closet of prayer. That's exactly where you need to go because if you start playing this game up here and let those wheels start to turn and you're looking at 10,000 scenarios on how things could play out, man, you're just going to lose all your peace. You're going to start losing your sleep. Man, that stress is going to weigh down on you so you don't want to go there. Go to the Lord in prayer. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition. Two different words there, by prayer and petition. So prayer, hanging out with God, spending time with God. Petition means, hey, let him know what's going on and let your request be known. So hang out with him, spend time in his presence, and then let it all out. Everybody say, let it all out. Let it all, let it all out. Man, we pray too pretty sometimes when we're talking to God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this lovely day that you've bestowed upon me and my family and those that I love. So gracious, so gracious of you, Lord. But just one little thing, if you don't mind, I just, I, um, this, this job situation, I could, could just make it a little more proper. I just, there are some things that are making me a little uneasy, and it's not that I don't trust you, Lord, but I'm just a little uneasy about it, and I'm just going to put it in your hands and trust you to take care of it, and that'll be all fine. And then God's looking at you going, you don't talk like that to anybody else. Who are you trying to fool? You know, get into the closet of prayer and hang out with him and get in his presence. And man, Lord, my life is jacked up right now. I'm going to kill somebody at work if you don't do something in me. So do a work in me so I'm not throat punching people and going to jail because I got to be there for my kids. I got to do coffee at the church. And if I'm in jail now, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Well, I just need you to, you know what I mean? Real talk in prayer. Let that stuff out because God is very concerned about what's going on in your life. Let him know. Let him know. So go into any new season. Listen, be grounded in prayer. That sets you up for victory. New grades, new teachers, be praying. Look, some of y'all need to pray a lot about your math. I'm just telling you right now, you need all the prayer. You need, you need <laughs> well, that's one subject that ate my lunch in school was math. So it says, go to the Lord in prayer and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You ever had peace in a season of life where you just, it didn't make any sense at all for you to have peace because everything was falling apart, but you still had peace? It's that peace that transcends all understanding because it doesn't make sense. It says, 
That peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. So listen to me, guys. Everybody look at me. Listen. When stuff is uncomfortable, listen to me. Peace is not something that you run to God to get. Peace is something that you are already abiding in in your relationship with him. And that peace that is inside of you as a byproduct of your relationship with God, the Bible says will protect you. It will protect you. It will guard your heart and your minds when you're going through those difficult seasons. Amen? So you practice peace. You don't run to peace. Too many people run to God when things are falling apart. And that's a good thing if you're not with him. <laughs> run to him. But, but for us, it's better to practice the peace of God because that will guard you and protect you. Amen? And so that's where you want to be. This is what I know. Uh, you want to be there because this season is preparing you for the next. This season is preparing you for the next. God likes to move in seasons. And every season that you're in right now is preparing you for the new season that you're going to walk into. This season is preparing you for the next. Guys, this season in school, and it's setting you up to learn a lot of life lessons that are going to benefit you later on in life. How to deal with the drama that you're going to face for those people at school, how to deal with some of the pressure of the deadlines that you're going to face with the tests and the reports and all that you have. This season is going to prepare you for what you're walking into. And ultimately, it's going to prepare you for being... Listen, if you learn how to be consistent and let that light shine while you're doing all of this stuff too and let people know about Jesus, I'm telling you, that's a great lesson to learn in preparing for the seasons of life. And parents, I'm telling you... This season that your kid is walking into and you're walking into with them, this is, this is preparing you. This is preparing you to prepare them for those new seasons of life. They're looking to you, mom and dad. You are the number one influencer in your, ch your children's life. Okay? Not their teacher. Not their youth pastor. Okay? Not their coach. Not even me as a pastor. You are. God has given you influence and an inroad into their lives that nobody else has. So it's important as a parent for you to be sure that you are preparing in this season for the next season that they're walking into. Listen, if you don't have a strong relationship with your kid right now, why are they going to listen to you when they get into high school? If you're not setting the standard in your home, and live in a life that reflects biblical principles, how are they going to trust that the Bible is really true because the number one influencer in their home is telling them that it's not? And pastor can say all he wants to, and that's fine, but if mom and dad are living it, that's a game changer in the home. It's a game changer in the home. So the, the level of relationship that you have with them, whether or not you let them watch four hours of TV when they get home and then throw them into bed so you don't want to have to deal with it because you've had a long day at work, that's a deciding factor in, in whether or not you're preparing them. Spend time with your children is what I'm saying. Spend time with them and invest in them because you are a critical part of helping them prepare for the new seasons that they walk into. Uh, guys, you got to be, you got to take advantage of the season that you're in. Just too many people make the mistake of saying, someday, one day, later on, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to tell you something. Don't focus on someday, focus on today. 
Focus on today because today will always lead to tomorrow. Okay? And, and I know, like, if you're in school right now, this is, this is what I did. I was like, man, when I get out of school, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to travel. I'm going to make money. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have the car that I want. When I get out of school, it's going to be great. And you miss the whole process of preparation, looking ahead, wanting one day, someday. No, it happens today. It happens today. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. There's a lot of adults, <laughs> there's a lot of adults that have spent most of their life thinking about someday instead of preparing today, and now they're into those seasons where it should have been their someday, and it should have been that one day, but because they didn't prepare and do the work and take advantage of the season when they had it to get ready, now they're living a life of regret and missed opportunity because they did not do what was necessary when it was necessary. Do it today, not someday. Amen? So all these, I'm getting a little excited because football season is getting closer. Anybody else like football? Okay, who hates football? A couple of people. All right, why do you ask these questions, Pastor Josh? Profiling purposes. I need to know what's going on. Um, Basketball, football, soccer, baseball, tennis, archery, whatever it is. Um, If you don't put in the work for the time of competition, then you're not ready to compete. Amen? I love football season. Right now, all these teams, you got preseason ball happening with the NFL, so they're trying out players here, there, and everywhere. College football, which I love the most, is they're, they're going through the fall drills right now, and they're getting ready, for, or getting ready for the season that's coming up and all of that stuff. But listen, the battle for this year, listen, it's already been won or lost. All these camps and all these things, they're just putting pieces together. The deciding factor for these athletes is what they've done in the off-season. You know what I mean? In the off-season, when it was time to prepare, now they're going to reap the benefits in the season, but it's the off-season that makes all the difference in the world. Because if they skip out on the off-season, their routes aren't going to be as tight. They're not going to be able to throw the ball as far. They're not going to be able to get off the line as fast as they need to. They're going to get pushed around by these 300-pound behemoths on the offensive and defensive line. You know what I mean? They just They're not going to be physically ready, and they're probably going to get injured and hurt. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to make sure that you're taking advantage of this correct season that you're in. Because if you don't work it in the season of preparation that you're in right now, you're not going to be prepared when you need to use the tools you should have been practicing and utilizing later on in life. Amen? So you got to make sure that you're taking advantage of the season that you're in because this season is preparing you for the next season. And let me just piggyback on that and just say you're going to need a work ethic. You are going to need a work ethic. Now, for some people, work is a four-letter cuss word. So I just want to practice here. I want to get us all out of the box here and do an event. Everybody with me right now, just, let's just say work. One, two, three, work. <clears throat> okay, just, nobody burst into flames. We were good. So <laughs> you're, you're going to have to have a work ethic because nobody's going to hand it to you. Nobody's going to give it to you. Listen, the Bible even says that faith without works is dead. 
You can have all the faith and woo, shout for God all you want to. And I got faith that can move mountains. That's great. But if you can't roll up your sleeves and put it into practice, it's useless. Useless. So you have to have a work ethic. Man, one of the things I'm very grateful for is that my dad taught me how to work. Josh cut the grass. Josh split the wood. Josh carried the boxes in. Josh carried the groceries in. Josh this, Josh that, Josh this, Josh that. Josh learned how to work. Daddy, can I have this video game? He goes, yes, you can. How many yards you got to cut to get the money to pay for it? Okay. Yeah, how many of y'all grew up that way? I mean, really, you got to have a work ethic. You got to work for this stuff um, because life just isn't going to hand everything you want to you. And this school year is not going to hand it all to you for sure. You're not going to magically pass tests that you don't study for. It's not going to happen. I, I, I tried. I tried in high school. I tried that theory. <clears throat> that did not work out. I tried it some in college. It, it didn't work out in college either. Um, you got to put in the work. It's like one kid, <coughs> one kid that came home from school, and the mom said, hey, how'd your day go? And the, the little girl said, Oh, my day went great. I got 100 on all my tests. And the mom said, really? Because your teacher called, and your teacher said you didn't do very good on the test. And the little girl said, that's because my teacher doesn't know how to do math. I made 60 on one test, and I made 40 on the other. I got 100 on all my tests. It just doesn't work that way. I don't think it's this boy that walked in to, to school one day, and he, he uh, was talking... To his teacher walked straight up to her, looked her in the eyes, and said, I have to ask you a question. She said, Okay, what's your question? He said, Do you believe in justice? Yeah. Do you believe all people should have justice? Yes, all people should have justice, she said. And then he goes, Okay, let me ask you a question then. You believe all people should have justice. Do you think people should get in trouble for things that they don't do. And she said, no, people should not get in trouble for things that they don't do. And he said, well, good, because I didn't do any of my homework last night. <laughs> he set her up, set her up. That stuff's just not going to work for the school year, though. <clears throat> you're going to find out, you're going to get, you're gonna get uh, the grades that I got sometimes, and they were not the, uh, the first few letters of the alphabet. So... So you got to work for that stuff. Proverbs 14, 23 says this. It says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You ever know those people that like to talk about all the stuff they're going to be doing, but they never do it because they don't put in the work? You know what I mean? You know those people? Some of you are like, I don't know. Maybe, I am, maybe I'm talking to, to those people right now. I don't know because y'all don't know anybody like that. Maybe it's you. I'm... I'm having fun with you. <clears throat> um, talk doesn't get it done. Hype doesn't get it done. You got to roll up your sleeves and get to work. And I know sometimes that's tough, and sometimes that's hard. Look, it's sometimes it's hard when it's Thursday, and you know you got to go back into work on Friday, grown-ups, and you got to suck it up and roll up those sleeves and go to work. You can't lay in bed talking about all the money that you're going to make that day if you don't go to work. You know what I mean? And you can trick yourself till you go to buy groceries or go to pay the light bill. So you got to roll up your sleeves and go to work. And sometimes it's tough, and I get that. Sometimes you got to do stuff that you don't want to do. That's called being mature. 
choosing to do the hard thing so that you can enjoy the benefits of it later. You don't take the easy way out. And one of the big things that helps me, and I'm just telling you, is making sure that I've got my motivation right. And making sure that I have the right perspective on why I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing. You ever have those days you go to work and you're just like, I don't even know why I'm here. Why, why am I here? Or you go to school and you're like, why am I even here? I hate history. I don't even know why I've got to be in history class. I hate this stuff. Well, let me give you some motivation. This is what the Bible says, and maybe this will help you because it helps me in those seasons. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Ah, there we go. Not human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, here's the money line. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. In everything that you do, in everything that you do, I may have to deal with a boss, but I'm not working to please them. I'm doing what I do with excellence to please the Lord. You know what I mean? Your teachers may hold you accountable for homework and stuff, but you're not doing it necessarily to make them happy. You're not doing it necessarily to get good grades or to make sure that your mom and dad don't get upset with you. Those are really good motivators, though. But the core reason is that we do everything that we do to please God. To please God, I'm doing everything I do is unto the Lord. So if God was grading your history test, how much would you study? You know what I mean? It changes things because I want to please my Father in heaven. And if he's the motivation why I'm doing everything that I do, it's a game changer because uh, the response that I get from people, it doesn't matter. I'm living my life to please him as an act of worship. And part of that worship is doing my best and rolling up my sleeves and putting in the effort that's necessary to do what's before me, the task at hand, and what he's called me to do. That's why if you follow my life at all, if you just follow me around like a little reality TV show or whatever, that'd be a weird show, by the way. Um, so that'll never happen. But if you just follow me around, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see, you're going to see that I do my best to the best of my ability as consistently as I can. I'm not perfect, but I do it all because I figured out that my whole life is an act of worship to the Lord. And if you get that motivation, it's a game changer in everything that you face. How, how you swing a baseball bat, how, how, how many times you run suicides in basketball practice, all that work that's not fun. But if you're doing that stuff as unto the Lord because you want to be the best at what you're doing, because you're doing it as an act of worship to Him, it changes Everything. That's what it doesn't matter to me if, if I'm preaching to a crowd of 10,000 people or if I'm preaching to mama and them at the house. It just doesn't matter. I'm still going to put in the same amount of work because I'm not doing it for any of those reasons. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for him, and he deserves my absolute best. Amen? So you've got to have a work ethic with what you're doing. There's this guy named David Goggins. You may have heard of him. You may not have heard of him. David Goggins... You want to talk about a warrior. This dude's a warrior. First of all, he's a Navy SEAL. Okay? Um, went through Army Ranger training and all of that stuff. Became a Navy SEAL. He's a bad dude. Like, he can kill you 300 ways with his pinky if he wants to. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. Um, bad dude. Uh, he coined a phrase that the Navy SEALs adopted. And it's the 40% rule. The 40% rule. 
If you hang around uh, Bud's training, you'll hear it a lot, still training camp now. But he coined the phrase 40% rule. He figured out that most people, when they feel like they're reaching the end of their ability, reaching their limit where they can't give anything more, he figured out that most people tap out when they've only expended about 40% of the effort that they could towards the task. And they still have about 60% left in them to do even more. But mentally, we start to shut down, and physically, our body doesn't like to push past thresholds. And so we tap out, and we limit ourselves to about 40% of what we're capable of doing. 40% on the football field, 40% on the basketball field, 40% in the classroom, 40% at work, because we reach a point where we feel like we're exhausted and we have nothing else to give. This guy was an active Navy SEAL and just for fun decided he wanted to run 100-mile races. Not like being a SEAL was hard enough. For fun, he ran 100-mile races. Insane. One of the races that he ran, he did one that was 135 miles. He did it in like 25 hours and 40-something minutes. He averaged... He, he averaged a time of 11 minutes and 30 seconds per mile for 135 miles because he learned how to push himself past barriers. A billionaire ran a race with him and was so impressed with what he did, he let the guy come live with him for a month to teach him how to get this kind of mental fortitude and work ethic because he wanted it for his own life. So... Uh, so David moved in with him, began to teach him, and first lesson was this. He got the guy on the pull-up bar, and he said, okay, do as many as you can. And the guy did 18 pull-ups. That's pretty good, pretty good. And David said, okay, now let's see how many you can really do. And before it was done, the guy did another 100 pull-ups. His body was telling him he was at the end of it, but he had more in reserve. Listen to me. Don't short change what you do for the kingdom of God. I think a lot of times we tap out. We tap out on our studies. We tap out in sports. We tap out at work. We tap out even on, in our study of the word of God, and, and we don't do all we could for the kingdom of God. Don't take the easy way out is what I'm saying to you. Push through. Work hard. Serve the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Pour everything into it because it matters. Because God put a calling on your life that nobody else has. God gave you gifts that no one else has. You have talents that I'll never have. What I'm saying to you is don't take it for granted. And don't live a life right here when you can live a life up here Push through and trust God to carry you through. When you reach the end of your strength, you begin to step into the beginning of his strength. And there's no end to his strength. I'm telling you, don't live down here. Don't settle for average. Push through. Put in the work. Go past the barriers and be everything you can be for the kingdom of God. Everything you can be for the kingdom of God. So I know this too, and, and this happens. We say, yeah, let's go push through, and here comes the devil, and he tries to tempt. And this is what I'm telling you. You will be tempted to compromise. You're going to be tempted to compromise, whether it's the new year of school or uh, a new season at work or just a new season of life in general. The enemy's good at what he's doing. Listen, he tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
Uh, he tempted King Saul. He tempted King David. He tempted Jesus. The enemy's going to tempt us to take the easy way out and compromise. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to be tempted to compromise your character, to fit in with groups of people because you want to be accepted. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to be tempted to compromise your work ethic because if you perform the way you know you can, you're going to leave everybody in your dust and they're going to resent you. Let them resent you. Leave them in your dust. Do not compromise. Don't compromise. You're going to want to keep your mouth quiet and not witness like you could. Don't compromise on that. You stand firm. You stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Compromise does a lot of stuff that's horrible. I've never seen somebody that compromised on their character or their integrity or their work ethic that it did not mess up. Here's some stuff that compromise does. First, it trades the success of tomorrow for the comfort of today. It trades the success of tomorrow for the comfort of today. We'd rather be comfortable than be successful at what God has called us. But you cannot be comfortable can I be comfortable and step into everything that God has called you to be? God has a way of isolating comfort zones and demanding that we step out of them. Because as long as we're comfortable, we don't have to trust in him. Okay, So don't live the kind of life and don't have the kind of school year where you take it easy and then you regret it when it matters most. Where you take it easy in practice so you can't perform. Where you take it easy in the classroom and now when it comes time for finals you're not prepared because you haven't taken every step that the teacher tried to walk you through to get you ready for that test day. Man, don't make that mistake, guys and gals. Don't trade the success of tomorrow for the comfort of today. Another thing compromise does is it cheats us of our full potential. It cheats us of our full potential. Thirdly, it leaves us unfulfilled and frustrated. And that's what I want you. I want to keep you from that. I don't want you to live the kind of life where at the end of the year, you're frustrated because you, be, you made bad choices with relationships. You made bad choices with the friends that you hang out with. Or parents, we made bad choices along the way in helping our kids with their schoolwork or spending time with them when we knew that we could have, but we chose to go a different route. Don't live the kind of life that's going to set you up to be unfulfilled and frustrated where the kids are grown, they're to college or they're out of the house, and you don't have the relationship with them that you want to have and now they're gone getting out into the world you may never see them again but right now you have the opportunity to lay the foundation of a relationship with them so that you don't have to have that reality understand what i'm saying don't live your life in such a way to set yourself up to be frustrated and unfulfilled that's not the life god wants us to live jesus said i've come that you might have life and have it to the full to the full Jesus paid a high price for us to live the life that we're, we can live today in freedom and love and with the power that he gives. Don't let compromise rob you of that opportunity. Amen? Y'all still with me? Students, you still with me? All right, so kick compromise out the door. Here's why, because once you start, it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop. Every alcoholic started with a sip. You understand? Every porn addict started with a click. Every broken marriage started with an unresolved issue. Once you start, it's hard to stop. Proverbs 25, 
Verse 28, it says, It's like a city whose walls are broken through as a person who lacks self-control. You don't have any walls up to protect or defend. The walls are broken down. The picture that the Scripture is painting is you don't have control, self-control. If you give in to compromise, the devil can do whatever he wants with you. You're not going to have any direction in life. You're just going to go wherever the wind is blowing at the moment. You're going to sell out to make people happy. There, there's, you're not going to have any fortitude. You're not going to be able to stand on your own two feet. Everybody say two feet. Okay, God wants you to know how to stand on your own two feet. But when you give yourself away a little bit at a time, it's impossible to do that. So don't start. Don't go down this road of compromise. Don't go down the road of compromise. Be who God called you to be. Every student, I want you to look at me. All right, look at me. Listen. Don't let a group of people pressure you into behaving a certain kind of way. Okay? You be the peer pressure at your school. You understand me? People don't know what to do when they run into an individual that is secure in who they are and in who God has called them to be and doesn't give a flying rip about anybody else's opinion. Be that person. Be that person. You be confident in who God created you to be and you be strong in your relationship with him. And don't, you said, I don't care if they, they call you names, that they make fun of you. I, it doesn't matter. Look, you stand on your own two feet and you be the peer pressure and you turn, you flip it. You flip it, you flip it, and you be the standard setter at your school. Amen? All right? You do it. Don't sell out. Don't sell out. And last thing is this, and this is, I wanted to talk about this. Let me, let me just read through this one more time, just so we don't forget. So this season's preparing you for the next. You're going to need a work ethic. You're going to be tempted to compromise. Lastly, take a stand for Jesus. Take a stand for Jesus. I think we could all do that, amen? Yes. Take a stand for Jesus. Take a stand for Jesus, especially in the world today, the world today that's trying to destroy the nuclear family, the world today that's trying to tell us that the homosexual lifestyle is actually okay with the Word of God, and it's not. Listen, we love everyone we love everyone. I'm saying again, we love everyone. Everyone's welcome to come through the doors of this church. Everyone. Because Jesus died for everyone like he died for us. But the Bible does not change just because society changes. And what it calls sin is still sin. Okay? It just... There's so much. So much pressure at the, work, at the workplace. Because you can't say certain things. And if you say certain things, then you're going to be in trouble. Crazy. And why is it that we have to be sensitive to all the baloney and junk, but if we want to stand up and say something about Jesus, then we get persecuted? Bring it on. Bring it on. Take a stand for Jesus. Take a stand for Jesus. Students, take a stand for Jesus. There are so many people lost at your schools. There's so many people lost at our jobs. There's so many family members that are going to die and go to hell if we don't take a stand for Jesus. If we don't open up our mouths and let them know, how are they going to know? It's on us. 
It's on us. I got news for you, kids. You're not just going to school. Listen to me. You're not going to the school that you're going to by accident, I got to believe. Even if you're homeschooled, you're not connected with the people that you're connected with by accident. Okay? God has chosen you. Think about this. Chosen you to not just attend a school, but to be a missionary to that school. To bring Jesus to every hurting heart, every broken heart, every student in that school that is going through hell on earth because their family life is messed up. You are called to be a missionary to them to bring Jesus to the hurting. And we're called to do the same thing as adults, to bring Jesus to the hurting. This is why we're here. This is what every season is for, to let him be known. I'm going to show you a photo. This picture won a Pulitzer Prize. It was published in Time Magazine, photo of the year. Taken of a little girl in Africa who's obviously malnourished. She's in the process of going from her village to a feeding station so she can get something to eat. In the background of the photo, <laughs> there's a vulture who was following the girl as she slowly crawled and dragged her way to the feeding station. She was in such bad shape, the vulture figured any moment she was going to die, and he was going to have a meal. The crew that took this picture, they tried to, like, shoo the, the vulture away a couple of times, but it would always come back. And as the girl moved, it would move. They shooed the vulture, but not one of them did anything pick this little girl up because they were told not to touch the locals because of sickness and disease. So if they couldn't pick her up, they could shoot the vulture and at least feel okay about what they were doing. When I saw this picture, the Lord kind of spoke to me. And this is the interpretation of this that he he gave to me was that we are surrounded by people who are starved spiritually who are trying their best to drag themselves to a place where they can get nourishment and healing and restoration to be alive on the inside and they're going to drugs and alcohol and relationships and you just fill in the blank anything to fill the hole where Jesus should be. And all along, the enemy's waiting for the opportunity, following behind, waiting for the opportunity to take them out. The choice that we have is which person we're going to be. Are we going to be the people that are content just to shoo a vulture away and then watch someone fight for their lives, or are we going to be the kind of person that says, forget it. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get dirty. 
and I'm going to be the help that I know I can be and rescue somebody that's in need. Guys, we can never be the kind of people that are content with just throwing money in an offering, scattering some buzzards and thinking that we're making a difference. We can never be the kind of people that are content with coming to a church service and and, and praying for people and worshiping God and, and, and getting challenged and getting changed. And that's great. But there are so many others that are in desperate need at our schools, at our jobs, everywhere. that are like this little girl right here needing, needing our Savior. What I want to challenge you with today is this. Don't just scare a vulture away. Get dirty. Get dirty. You walk in and you scoop them up. And you pick them up. And you tell them about the Lord and you get them where they need to be. Amen? Listen, we don't have enough time to play games. There are too many people lost and hurting and in need of our Savior. We have got to take a stand for Jesus. We've got to take a stand for Jesus. Now, I've seen y'all get fiery about politics. I've seen you get fiery about commercials that get played on TV. I see you fuss and complain about movies that get played and the content of those movies. But I've yet to see someone rise up and be passionate about the Jesus and present the solution instead of complaining about the problem. Let's present the solution and give this world Jesus. Amen? Hey, how about we don't be another church? How about we be Christians? that are obedient to the great commandment, the great commission. Go into this world, tell these people about Jesus, watch him change them from the inside out. That's what this is all about. So make this season count. Get that work ethic and work hard. Don't sell out to compromise, but most of all this year, most of all this school year, right now, this week, take a stand for Jesus. Because there's a lot that hangs in the balance. You don't want to be that person at the end of your life, breathing your last breath, moving into eternity, knowing you're about to stand before the Lord and go, oh no. Could I have been more focused on what he called me to do rather than being so focused on what I wanted to do. There's too many to reach. And one of the things I love about our church is we have a heart to reach the lost. We have a heart to reach the lost. Do every outreach we can, but we can't just bank on outreaches. Jesus called us to take a stand for him. So, pop quiz. Do you have any friends right now that don't know the Lord? Do you have any friends right now that if they died, they would go to hell? If you don't, listen, something's wrong in your walk with God. We should always have someone that we're trying to reach out to. If we just surround ourselves with ourselves, how are we reaching the lost? Maybe it's time for us to make some new friends. I know I could use a few more myself.
So let's take a stand. Let's make Jesus famous. And let's reach as many people as we can for him. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Back to school. You know, it's more than just going back to grade school. I found out that life is really good at teaching some crazy lessons every day we go back to school with what life throws at us. Learn a little bit about ourselves, learn a little bit more about our Lord and Savior. Back to school. It's about eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to ask a couple of questions before we get out of here today. First one is this. Hey, is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? We've talked a lot about Jesus here the last few minutes, but let's get personal. Is he really your Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about having a real relationship with Jesus. The beauty of that question is we, we just we know the truth automatically. There, there's, no, there's not really any in-between. It's yes or no. He is Savior and Lord, or he isn't. Are you actively living a life of sin? If you died right now, do you know whether or not you would go to heaven or to hell? The beauty of that is that you can know. And it doesn't have to be hell. It can be heaven because Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, mine included. He paid the price for it all and offers us forgiveness of our sins through our relationship with him. If Jesus isn't Lord and Savior of your life, when I count to three in just a second, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me because I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to help you make that decision today. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Will you spend eternity with him? That's not a question you want to say, I think so, or I guess so, too. You want to know that you know that you know. And here's an opportunity to do just that. So if you're here today, and you know what, Pastor Josh, you say, Pastor Josh, my walk with God isn't where it needs to be. Jesus isn't Lord of my life. There's, there's just junk in my life I need to get right, and I need to put Jesus back on the throne of my heart and my life to make him my Savior and my Lord. That's you when I count to three. I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me so that I can pray with you today. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. If that's you, I see yours, I see yours, I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. If you haven't lifted your eyes up yet, lift them up and look at me. Anybody else? Anybody else? Beautiful. A lot of people lifted up their eyes and they, they looked at me today and I love that. I want to ask you to do something that's going to take a little bit of courage. Okay, I want you, I, I want to be able to pray with you personally. You know, where you're at now is fine. I want to be able to look you in the eyes and pray with you. So if you lifted your eyes and you looked at me and said, hey, I need to make a decision today to get Jesus where he needs to be in my life. I want to ask you to get out of your seat, out in the row, and come meet me here at the altar so I can pray with you personally today. Could you do that for me today? Could you do that? Hey, guys, it's kind of quiet in here. Could we cheer them on just a little bit? Because this takes a lot of courage. Can we do that? Come on, I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step. There were so many more. There were so many more. 
so many more. All right. Because I don't want you to miss out, I'm going to ask one more time. You lifted your eyes, and you know you should be up here. I want you to get out of your seat and come up to the front. So there was still some more. Still some more. It was awesome. Awesome. Now, there were several that lifted their eyes that did not come up front, and that's okay. Like, I'm not throwing shade on you. That's fine. You can pray where you're at, and I believe God will meet you and respond to what's happening in your heart. Okay? But I will say this. It's going to be a little more difficult for you to stand publicly for Christ out there if you have a hard time standing publicly for him in here. So take that with a grain of salt and know that and you, you're going to need to find that boldness and that strength in your relationship with him. I love this. You guys ready? Everybody in this place is going to pray this prayer after me and repeat it. Um, I always say this, there's nothing magical about the prayer. This is, this is kind of putting a framework for what's already happening in your heart. The Lord's going to be responding to your heart. Just believe in your heart that he is Lord, then you confess with your mouth. So we've got the believing in the heart thing. We're going to do the confessing with the mouth and, and get this right, okay? So everybody pray this and repeat this after me. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus. thank you, thank you. For, dying for dying for me. Me. I repent. I repent. That means I walk away. That means I walk away. From all the sin. From all the, sin. From all the, compromise. All the compromise. And I choose you. Jesus. I want you. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you. For forgiving me. Of my sin. For washing me clean. For giving me a new start. For making me a new creation. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I will serve you with all of my heart as you change me from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some big praise. So, if you will, real quick before, before you go, this is my friend Emily. I love Emily. I trust Emily. If you would, please follow Emily and give her five minutes of your time, and she's going to talk to you about our next step class. And uh, it's a really good class to help you have a solid foundation in your faith, making new decisions. So we, wanna, we, we always want to do all we can do to help people grow closer to the Lord. So if you would go with her, give her five minutes. She'll cut you loose. Don't worry about your, your families. will still be here when you get back. It'll be awesome. How awesome is God? How awesome is God? I love this. <clears throat> what y'all say we do the same thing next week? Sound pretty good? Yeah, get together, watch God change lives. This is what it's all about, ladies and gents. I want to challenge all of you with all of my heart. Be here next week. Next week, we are going to start a new message series. <clears throat> and the focus, we're going to call it dollars and cents. The focus is going to be on biblical stewardship of the finances that God has given us. That sounds real churchy. We're going to show you what the Bible says about how to manage your money. Um, not just giving, because when you say that, people immediately start thinking about giving in church. Not just that. Um, budgets 
investment strategies. We're going to bring in a financial expert at the end of the series to help families put together financial plans and investment strategies to make our money stretch a little bit further. I don't know about you, but I figure with the economy the way that it is, with inflation the way that it is, it might be good to go back to the Bible and look at what it says and get some wisdom from the Bible on how to manage our money so that we don't have to participate in the world's economy. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. So that's going to start next week. I think it's going to be powerful. It's going to be awesome. Um, so if you don't have a budget, that mystical word, you know what I mean? What is it? Everybody knows what it is, but do you really have one? We're going we're gonna to navigate through all of that. It's going to be a very powerful and equipping few weeks for us um, financially as a church. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Um, bring some friends with you. Bring some friends with you. Invite some people to come with you. I want to see more people give their hearts to the Lord next week. Amen? So let's stand up for Jesus and make that happen. Father, thank you again for the truth of your word, for what you've done here today. God, I thank you that you're an awesome God, that you give us way more than we deserve, that you love us way more than we deserve. And I thank you most of all for your word that equips us for every season of life, even new ones like school starting back, God, I thank you that your word covers that. We give you glory and we give you praise for an awesome day in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God big praise as we get out of here today. Thank you so much, everyone, tuning in online. We love you. Hey, maybe drop in for a visit next week. We'll catch you then. Bye.